Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Monday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Andy, the season is thankfully over for the Lakers, as is, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, the head coaching tenure of Frank Vogel in Los Angeles. Lots to talk about as the Lakers begin the offseason on Locked on Lakers. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you to everybody for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Fridays, and sometimes on weekends. We get this thing up bright and early for no matter how you get your podcasts, where you get your podcasts. Uh, we always have fresh Lakers content for you. It's going to be a busy week uh, for the Lakers as the offseason begins. want to let you know as well that today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Uh, Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, Andy, it's also worth noting Bet Online has um, odds, which we will get into, about who is going to be coaching the Lakers next season, which is uh, obviously very relevant following Adrian Wojnarowski's yes. tweet. Uh, after Sunday night's game, the Lakers are going to can Frank Vogel uh, as early as Monday. Um, I yeah. don't know at uh, this point same... if they can wait until Tuesday, but it, it, as early as Monday. Well, you would like to at least get all the ducks in a row so that the players who all talk during Monday's exit interviews can offer <laughs> their thoughts on Vogel's dismissal. Yes. Um, so that tweet from Woj came out like literally as the buzzer sounded on Sunday night's overtime win over Denver um, or guys wearing Denver uniforms in what oddly enough, I mean, sort of ironically was, was arguably one of the two or three most fun games of the year with Austin Reeves putting up a triple double and Mac McClung sealing the game with a double pump reverse jam. Like there was some fun stuff going on in this game. And of course it was right back to business. Um, as soon as the game ended um, because of Woj and what okay, he's but reporting. Be before we get into the Vogel of it all, and there's going to be a, a lot to break down from that before we even know that he's been officially fired, much less who the Lakers are absolutely uh, kind of zoning in on, mm -hmm. Lakers media put out an awesome stat, a uh, factoid about Austin Reeves, the triple-double in this game, that's pretty amazing. He is now just the fifth Laker in franchise history to record a triple-double as a rookie, the company that Austin Reeves joins, Magic Johnson, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, Lonzo Ball. That's the Pretty grouping, cool. along with Austin Reeves. That is fantastic. And, and, and you to know, say the least, Austin Reeves is the most unlikely of all of those guys. I mean, it's not yeah. even close. <laughs> As I joked about on Twitter at Cam Brothers, just like we all said was inevitable during the preseason. Yes. I mean, that, that's crazy, man. I mean, just you know how many triple doubles, by the way, LeBron had as a rookie? Zero. Uh -huh. LeBron did not get a triple double. I, I looked this up just for fun because I wanted to compare it. Like, eh, I bet LeBron had like three versus Austin Reeves one. He didn't have any. I, I found that shocking. Which just tells me that Austin Reeves is going to have a better career than LeBron. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of knew that before the triple double, but sure. <laughs> but it's you know, it's 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 
it's funny though because like the first thing that you're reminded of after he does that after he's in that company and it's it's really cool to see it's like when tht put up 40 on on friday correct it was or no it yes was, uh, yeah it was friday it was i thought yeah. he missed that that was the one i thought but anyway when he put up his 40 i think it was thursday um he missed for and, and then the oklahoma city game was friday but whatever oh okay um I mean, like it's cares. That's <laughs> why I didn't want to get bogged down on it. It's like, why are we even having this conversation? Um, but it's like these are moments where you, like that is hard to do. Put up 40 in an NBA game is something to be proud of. To have a triple double in an NBA game. I don't care if it's garbage time, end of the season, you're you know, leading your your weird group of Lakers out on the floor against a group of like third stringers for Denver. I don't care. You put up a triple-double in an NBA game, and it's a really impressive feat. Um, it's just like this looked like a game that you would expect um, to be the, the season finale for two teams that were going to the playoffs, yeah. you know, where everybody's resting everybody, and it's just like, let's look forward to next week and, and what the matchups are. And, of course, for the Lakers, it's not going to be that way, and Frank Vogel is reportedly out, as uh, Woj says, and none of that is surprising. But Andy, what was, I think, talked about a lot after the game was the how, um, the fact that Woj's tweet uh, and now the subsequent report, which is out, like literally landed as soon as the buzzer sounded. Like, oh, I'm not even Woj sure, had, Woj I'm not sure why he waited. Good. Well, he had to be super careful because this game went into overtime. Like he almost right. might have jumped the gun like if his Twitter finger got a little bit too itchy. <laughs> like, I mean, and you know that, just, you know, you know that the game between Woj and Shams, that Woj had to like really, really, because he wants to be first as evidenced by the timing of that tweet. And, you know, the game is the game between those two. But at the same time, like there's, I guess, a certain amount of respect that he didn't want to do this well, I'm sure, I, I suspect that he was probably told you, yes, but you can't do, I will we'll tell you if you got to hold it until after the game or something like that, whatever it might I mean, be. I will say this. But either way, I, I just I had this vision of Vogel like holding on to this job in five minute increments. <laughs> like they go into overtime, they go into double to you can't fire me if the season never ends. What do you think about that? Like it was just it created this incredibly weird vibe. And um, you know, like if you were watching the game, the the post game on Spectrum, the the Lakers channel, they had to it, it took a little while before they got to the Vogel interview because they had to 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 edit it out. Um, cause Vogel dropped an S bomb in there when asked if he had been told, uh, by the Lakers, anything to this effect. He said, I have not been told bleep, um, which, which, you yeah. know, by the way, that's getting real because Vogel publicly never curses. This might be the only time I've ever heard him curse. Maybe once or twice. I think it I've, is. I've heard it, but it, 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 it is on, super an, rare. on the record on camera, right? Super I, rare. Exceedingly. Um, and you could tell by his expression and in a press conference that was approximately two minutes <laughs> um, that he feels like he is being treated disrespectfully by the organization. I don't necessarily know if Woj is doing anything wrong here. I, I've seen some of that on Twitter. I don't see it really. Um and it's not a surprise that the, the the report would come out, but it is indicative to me of, that Vogel believes that there's a lot of other stuff, not really this report, that he just believes he was treated very poorly by the by the organization this year. 
Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I, I tweeted out a meme uh, or, or a gif, I should say, from New Jack City when Wesley Snipes' as Nino Brown is giving his testimony. Mm-hmm. And he says, if, if I'm going down, I got a whole list of people. If I'm going down, I'm bringing a whole bunch of people with me. Like that in my mind is how I picture Frank Vogel if he could give the press conference that he wants to. Because you know, I mean, he's been passive aggressively leading up to the on the record comments that he recently gave to Bill Orm of The Athletic, which is basically the, the roster they gave me doesn't work for what I want to do. Frankly, I don't think it works for anything. But, you know, he had been dropping hints about this during the season as more and more it was becoming evident that Frank Vogel was not going to last beyond this year. If you remember, about halfway during the season, there were reports that he was basically coaching for his job. If the Lakers hadn't had that one big win against the Jazz, there was a lot of speculation that he was going to get fired after that game, and that win actually staved off the inevitable uh, up to where we are right now. Like, as f- What's interesting to me about the Woj timing is it seems like he was told – don't say anything about this till after the game because, you know, as we said, he tweeted this literally one second after the game ended. So there's no reason for him to wait that long unless he was told wait until after the game. No, otherwise, but that's otherwise you do it when you, the minute you have the information and it's sourced and you're comfortable right. with it and all that and it's confirmed, you tweet right. it. That's what reporters do. I mean, if right. you're angry at Woj, this is what reporters do. They share the well, information but, when they have it. Right, but that—that's not even actually what I was going to say. I mean, I sure. Woj, I'm just, Woj I'm just talking. I'm, th- I'm speaking to the chatter. There's a lot of chatter on Twitter that, that that's kind of hammering Woj about the report. Is that's all? I'm, that's all I'm saying. Right. I mean, look, you could say whether or not it's classy of Woj to do this whenever he has the information. You know, I, I, Woj is. Woj's job, I think, as long as he's not taking shots at Vogel along the way, which he didn't, he just reported what he knows to, I think we're all going to find out, be true. That's that's him doing his job. But what I think Correct. is interesting about it, though, is, again, with the timing, it seems to me he was told, do not do this until after the game, because there's no reason for him to even sit on it that long mm-hmm. with that type of directive. Where I think, though, this reflects potentially badly on the Lakers is if they told him, don't do this until after the game, you should tell them, you should tell Woj, don't do this until 30 minutes after the game, until Frank Vogel has actually spoken, until whatever. We don't want you to potentially report this in a way that puts Frank Vogel in a really awkward, difficult position. Or, Andy, I would say, don't give Woj the sourcing to put the report out. I mean, sure. like, that's the thing is when, and not to, you know, I mean, we're speculating about, you know, even like the, the manner in which the information was given, but obviously I can tell you, Adrian Wojnarowski is not going to report that Frank Vogel is not going to be back next year, even though we all know it, if he's getting that from, you know, a PR intern, it's sure. coming from r- real people. Um, just don't give it to him. If you don't, if you, I think, I think you're exactly right. Cause you're, what you're getting at, I believe is, we need to tell Frank before he sees it on Twitter because Vogel made it very clear he had seen the tweet before he got to the podium. Um, and so he spoke to the media having seen what Woj was reporting. And 
it may not have worked because again, we all know Vogel's going to get fired, but to the extent that somebody inside the front office gave Woj that information. If, if your, if your hope is give it time so we can tell, don't give them the information. Also fair. Totally fair. Um, I'll tell you what I think is interesting about it. We'll also run through some of the, the, the names and we're obviously going to spend a lot of time, you know, kind of scouting these, these coaches and trying to figure out if they make good fits and all that. Um, there's more, I think also that sets up the Lakers a lot of based on what you're saying, Andy, um, for a difficult, potentially difficult coaching search. So we'll talk about it next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Built Bar. Eating smart, but also eating enjoyably. It has never tasted better. You can treat yourself, but still not feel guilty about it. You know, don't, don't end up shame eating, you know, with the stuff you're shoving down your gullet because you can do it right with Built Bars. If you've not tried the puffs, you are missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. They are protein infused marshmallows. Whoever heard of such a thing, but they exist and they are fluffy marshmallowy and not just a protein bar. They're a treat covered in 100% real chocolate. Great flavors like cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. All of them are going to be your new favorite. It's going to be torturous trying to figure out the one that you enjoy the most. And unlike a candy bar, which is like typically two to 300 calories of just empty nonsense, most Bill Bars, they're just 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, only four net carbs, but 17 grams of protein, and that's what you want in the first place. So go to Bilt.com, use the promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCK15, 15% off at Bilt.com. Um, I'm not sure if you saw this on, on Twitter, Andy, but we were kind of uh, making reference. Our friend Domin Rangula uh, noted the, the blame. Friend of the pie. show. Friend of the show. Uh, uh, on Twitter in a tweet that he sent out. And I noted that his point about uh, where to assign blame was correct with Frank Vogel and the front office, but also pointed out, we invented the blame pie. Yes, we did. Um, it's our great contribution to the world. Um, and somebody pointed out in the in the comments to that, that that sounds like the new flavor of Built Bars. The Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> A new Lakers exclusive flavor of Built Bar, Ooh. Blame Pie. Ooh, you know, it could be like a purple covered, like a purple colored chocolate covering uh -huh. like a golden nougat. Yes. That was, yes. You know what? It would taste I, I better. actually think the people at Built need to have these kinds of custom uh, right. team specific. Okay. Here's what you do. It's purple colored chocolate covering a golden nougat. And unlike other Bill whatever bars, the protein yeah. is. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it's protein infused nougat. If you can do that with a marshmallow, Brian, you can do it with <laughs> nougat. <laughs> That's my understanding of how science works. But what you do is, unlike typical built bars, and boy, are they getting their money's worth here right now. You normally, the built bars, they're in one piece. The blame pie built bar is cut up in sections. And you can, as the person enjoying the Bill Bar, before you eat it, you can decide which section goes to which person <laughs> you're blaming. You How do you like that? A couple together, if you think yeah. one person deserves more, I think it's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, you're welcome, Bill Bar. Um, yeah, steal so that from us too. Our other sponsors, uh, our friends over at uh, Bet Online, have you know the the new odds out for. Uh, coaches who might replace Frank Vogel, obviously a relevant conversation. They're guys, the, the normal names we've heard, uh, David Fisdale and Quinn Snyder and Doc Rivers and Sam Cassell. And basically, if you're Mike a person... Mike Brown. 
Mike, if you, you know, uh, Steve Clifford, Kenny, Steve Clifford, Kenny Atkinson, like everybody. <laughs> LeBron is on, is on the list, which is fantastic. I'm kind of a fan of that idea. Yes, I am. Um, and so uh, this, whether or not they're able to get a premier head coach is, I actually do think up to some question because the Lakers are developing a reputation um, for treating coaches poorly and treating coaches as interchangeable, treating them as less important, uh, as a, an organization that will nickel and dime them. Uh, remember, they they had a chance at Ty Lue. Um, Ty Lue had a cake that he, you know, that his friends got him that they wouldn't have gotten him if they didn't think he was going to get the job. Well, it was and a Lakers cake for people. It was a Lakers know. cake, right? Um, and so his friends were like, "Here you go, Ty." And they couldn't come to an agreement with Monty Williams. Monty Williams chose Phoenix over them. I think perhaps seeing some of the issues. I, you know, if you're talking about Quinn Snyder, let's say Quinn Snyder is available. Um, this offseason, let's say Utah loses in the first round and Quinn Snyder's available. He is probably the premier name on the market. I would think so, yeah. Is he going to be somebody who looks at where the Lakers are now um, and thinks that's where I want to go? And I, I think this is where the Vogel tweet from Woj that comes right after the game, whatever hurts. Because I don't know whether it's fair or not to the front office. The perception is this is a way that they treated a guy who won them a title two years ago, coached, I actually think coached pretty well last year under very difficult circumstances as he kept that team defensively in places it had no business being. Agreed. And this year... We've talked, I, I have no problem from a job performance standpoint with Vogel being let go. But how you treat a guy like that matters to the person who might replace him. And the Lakers are starting off behind, you know, behind the eight ball a little bit, I think, in their perception as an organization. You know, it's a group now, Andy. Two winning seasons in the last nine years. You, know, you forget because one of those winning seasons was a championship. But other than that, the other eight have ended in some form of horrible disappointment. Well, it's funny, Brian, that you mentioned the the effect of this tweet and it reinforcing a perception. To me, the 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 notion that they don't value coaches, that they don't treat them well, that they will do things that undercut coaches, that began really at the beginning of this season. Yes, when in, yes, and in the off season when a they made radical changes to a roster in a in a way that best case scenario was giving Frank Vogel a ton of respect and confidence for the ability to make any team defensively viable. Worst case scenario, it's them saying, we don't give a bleep what you want, Frank. These are the guys we're bringing in. Figure it out. And it's very easy to believe uh, explanation two because of the fake extension. And, uh -huh. you know, they kneecapped him in a lot of ways, built a roster that played against all of his strengths and played into a lot of weaknesses and made him a, if not a lame, you know, they removed the lame duck status 
but they did not make him a strong duck in the process. <laughs> like, you know, they, they signaled a total... He was decidedly still a duck. Right. Well, I mean, they, they signaled a lack of value placed on Frank Vogel. And they made it very clear, we are not, we are not concerned about a you know, emboldening you and, and enabling you as a coach and, and making sure that we are putting you in the, in strengthening you and putting you in the best position possible to succeed moving forward. We also don't care about the perception that that's what it looks well, like. It's also, it's, and it's, then the it's, leaks that all came out over the course of the season oh, sure. that Frank was coaching for his job and all, and all that different stuff. It's all, but it's also even, it's wishy-washy too, because like the only reason they gave him one year is because they know how horrible it looks if they don't. Yeah. You know, you almost respect them more for being like, sorry, go coach for your job. Right. But, you but know. you know what, with leading up to Vogel getting hired and to the point now where he's getting fired, Ty Lue was the first guy that they interviewed. Ty Lue struck us both as the totally obvious guy to go with. He had won a championship, very well respected over, you know, he was well respected as a player, but also very well respected as a coach, you know, among coaches, among people who follow this stuff closely. Great relationship with LeBron. And the Lakers, for whatever reason, did not want to commit to Ty Lue. Maybe, they, you know, it was at a time that they didn't want to seem like they were doing LeBron's bidding for him. So they they set up Lue with an offer that made it very clear we think of you as lebron's guy we are not going to commit to you beyond lebron ty Lu, rightly understandably found that insulting said thank you no now is with the clippers the lakers are now in a position brian where they have to find a guy that will get his approval they could have had the guy with lebron's approval who's actually better no disrespect than frank vogel yes so uh they now have to do this stuff to make LeBron happy anyway, assuming they want to stay in business with them longer than a year. It, it's it's just, it is a place. And I, I know Lakers fans don't like, some Lakers fans don't like hearing this, and I get it, because it's not a happy place to be. And, you know, I don't even like doing it because, it's, you know, people, oh, you guys, you know, people love when, you know, you can take shots. At, trust me. We've done, Andy and I have done radio, we've done podcasting, we've done all kinds. It is better for business. If all we're concerned about is business, it is better for business when the team is good. Yep. I, trust me, it is better for business. And you guys this, are all correct that drama and chaos and all that, you know, and uncertainty and backbiting and all that crap, you are right that that can be good for business but it's some temporary degree. it's, it's temporary. temporary it's never as good as, as winning. championships and winning yes. trust us um i and you know so like I, I don't i don't love having to talk about questioning the competence of the of the front office and i i would much rather be excited about you know a playoff series and where they're going and what you know the the future and all that other stuff they are entering into an offseason where, once again, the competence, the basic competence, go back to the, the story that Eric Pincus wrote, um, which is still pinned to the top of our YouTube page if you missed it. Um, you know, it's, it's, just a, it's a great breakdown of just basic mistakes that the team has made. Um, and you go to their handling of the Westbrook deal. And we're going to talk about Russ here in a second. 
Um, you go to how they're juggling all of these things and the fact that they've won one championship, they have one winning season after that, and then seven of the other nine seasons of their last whatever are all losing. You go back a couple of years, they had Magic Johnson walking out on the team and they have, you know, the 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 Jim and Genie stuff and just like it was a tire fire. I, they're, I don't want to say they're all the way back where they were before Magic came in and kind of at least restored some confidence in the organization before kind of shredding some of that. But they're much closer to that place, Andy, than they are at the place when it seemed like they had their, okay. their bleep back together after the title. This is what makes it interesting. You are correct that it is ultimately better, even with whatever questions you have about this front office, and we've expressed a lot of them and we will continue to, it is still better to have this setup where everybody may not be as good at this as they should be. And, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of politicking that goes along, but you don't have the open hostility that existed okay. between Jim and Jeannie. Like that, that was... yes. Or absolutely. the hostility between Rob and Magic. Right. That that was okay. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, but I, but I well, let me finish though. So. Let me finish. Okay. Let me finish. Like you are correct that I think this right now is better than say that point when Jeannie fired Jim and Mitch, brought in Magic and Rob. It seemed like there was some stability being restored. Uh, restored, mm -hmm. however fleeting, and it's been up and down ever since then. The genie Jim thing was the absolute worst because there were there were so many ramifications from it. Right. That being said, though, it could be debatable which play, and we don't necessarily have to talk about it now. It's maybe something we can both think about. Sure. But which place in terms of roster and assets and places you can go, mm -hmm. where they are now versus mm -hmm. where they were with Jim and Mitch, whatever you thought of them, but a whole lot of young players and interesting prospects moving forward versus now LeBron and AD, but a whole bunch of question marks after that. It is debatable which no, place right. you'd rather actually be in. Point is, it's a diff that you have to talk about the question mm -hmm. is that that that, it, that we could sit here and have probably a week's worth of shows breaking this down. Bad okay. sign. Yeah. Um, let's, let's, we'll, we'll do a lot. We'll talk, we'll, we're going to set a lot of this up for the week, you know, as we get into where they could go with the coaching staff and all these other things kind of getting ready for this off season, critical off season. Um, but let's talk about a couple stories that came out Two great, great kind of postmortems on this season. What went wrong? One from Mona Shelburne at ESPN, one from the LA times, Dan Wojcicki and, uh, Brad Turner, um, all of which had some interesting nuggets, particularly around the Westbrook stuff. So we'll do that next. Stone Lakers brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, the play-in leading up to the playoffs. I, I got to tell you, Clippers, Timberwolves, 
I wouldn't mind that being an act, an actual series that beyond just the betting implications, all you can have from that, that just sounds really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Plus the start of major league baseball season. You, you got to have Pat Beverly against your team at all times, just for the pure entertainment bet online is your continued source for all your sporting weight, sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website today, use your mobile device, learn more about the trends and action bet online where the game starts. So we're not gonna we're not gonna unpack completely everything with the the Russ um, year of Russ uh, on this show, and certainly Monday when the Lakers do their exit interviews, Westbrook is scheduled to speak early uh, in the afternoon on Monday. That will, I think, be a fascinating <laughs> a period mm-hmm. uh, just to see how candid he is, how much he thinks he expects to be, all that stuff. He's in the mood to talk. Yeah. Um, They've got how, how often is he looking him. at his phone while he does this exit interview? So it's it's either going to be, I think, a whole lot of nothing or who knows, could be pretty interesting. Um, but two stories that uh, were came out in the last few days, again, from Ramona Shelburne at ESPN and then Dan Wojcicki and Brad Turner at the LA Times. They they get into the 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 season for the Lakers and the, and the stuff that went wrong and inevitably that that centers around Russell Westbrook and you know to to me it's just it, it is broadly amazing to me um, just the gap that you see in these stories between what these guys thought they would be able to do and I'm not talking about on the court I mean in terms of making this fit work versus what actually happened and for a thousand different reasons and some great details in both of these stories um, but you know what's you, know, you jump in with what stuck out with you just how much both of those stories confirmed what i've been hitting on all year which in terms of the adjustments that russ needed to make you know all these guys needed to make adjustments in terms of lebron ad and russ the the three stars of this team but with Russ in particular, for all the questions about what he is actually capable of adjusting at this stage of his career, having done it for so long with athleticism not being there the way it used to be, yada, 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 the big obstacle was he didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and how little he attempted to wrap his arms around this stuff and how little he even attempted to embrace this stuff you know, with with any type of real inherent willingness. And to me, that's actually more important than what he could do, couldn't do with the right attitude. Because, look, if you're trying, teammates will feed off that. Like, there's an energy that is created. Look at, look at how I think Malik Monk defensively or Mello defensively translated this year in terms of just energy at times. Like, you know, both of those guys, I think, look, both of those guys are not defenders. And, you know, I think Monk at times showed little flashes. Mello at times showed little flashes. Neither one of them you're ever going to count on to be your stopper. But both of them leaned into what what Frank Vogel wanted them to do. And if nothing else, man, they were two of the, like, rare – just enjoyable lights of this season. You know what I mean? Both of us have said this all year with Westbrook. There's just, there's a bad energy that came from Mm -hmm. him that as much as we've both said at times, 
He was scapegoated in ways that haven't always been fair. In certain ways, it was fair because he brought a lot of it on himself. He made no attempt to make any of this easier for himself, much less his teammates. Yeah, and you and I have slightly different kind of, I think, views on on Westbrook. And I, I 100% agree with you on like the the willingness to adjust and all that. Um, I, I, I don't think he's wired to um, to do that stuff. I, I think that's part of his failings as a player um, is he is so hardwired and so individual, you know, uh, kind of uh, such a, a singular creation of his own kind of basketball ethos. But I, I think without rehashing that, at least right now, what really sticks out in what you're saying and certainly what I believe too is just how, to me at least, they were so naive about how easy it would be for guys to make this adjustment. You know, AD talked to uh, McManaman. Um, in the, well, I talked to the whole media, uh, I should say. He did his exit interview before Sunday's game um, and noted that he thinks Russ is being you know blamed for too much and all that stuff. But he said everybody had to make sacrifices. And it was tough, tough for Russ to adjust to that. Um, you know, he's saying, I, I had to change when I got here. LeBron had to change. And I just feel like, there was, there should have been this sense that Russ was not going to be one of these guys that could make wholesale adjustments and wholesale changes to how he plays and what he does um, based on, you know, his entire career. And we talk about it a lot. It is easy to say, I'm going to sacrifice. It is easy to do that, you know, to, to, do the press conferences and have the lunches and all that stuff. It is really hard to do it when you have to get out there and do it. And of all the people, I just don't think Russ coming off a season where he was, you know, triple double man in the second half in Washington and all that stuff felt like he was at a place where like, okay, you say I'm going to have to change. I'm just going to have to go be Russ. You talk about mellow mellow had to be basically tossed out of the league. Yeah. Before he, was able to reinvent himself in that way. It is Same with very, Dwight. yeah, it is very rare. Dwight is a great example uh, for guys who are at the level of Russell Westbrook, one of the all seventy-five greatest players to play this game, to kind of turn on a dime like that. And I think everybody was just so wildly naive that it was going to be able to work in that way. Um. And, and well, that was that's really what struck me with with these stories. Is well, I don't think anybody's intentions were bad. Well, but before we go, um, I mean, when you mentioned the naivete from everybody involved, and I guess maybe even Rust, whatever he was saying during all this, um, with his, the idea of being able to change on a dime, I don't even think that's the accurate way of putting it because teams have been wanting Russ to make adjustments for a few years before leading up to the Lakers. Sure. And he didn't, which is, I think, in a lot of ways, even more illustrative of the naivete. Because you've been seeing cases yeah, change on, of this Change not, on a dime is, is probably, you're right, is probably the wrong expression. But right. what you're talking that, about is exactly what right, I'm getting at. Like, right, because changing on a dime actually would be more unfair to Russ, like, or stupid of the expectations or whatever, like that you would actually expect that to be possible but the reality is he's had some runway to like ease into 
whatever Russell Westbrook adjusting even looks like, he's had a while to do this and has resisted it at every turn. And in always at all times, he's been able to lean on the sort of the sheer performance of being Westbrook, mm-hmm. um, which has always been good enough. And this year it wasn't even close. Um, so much more uh, to get into. And we'll, we'll obviously we'll listen to Russ talk to the media on Monday, which will further this conversation. There's the idea of what they do with him. Do you stretch him? Do you trade him? What are you willing to give up in an effort to get rid of that contract? All, you know, could he take a buyout? So much more in these stories that talk about Russ. Um, LeBron is going to speak to the media on Monday. Um, all this stuff. So you won't want to miss Tuesday's episode. And then obviously, Andy, we will be getting everybody ready uh, for the inevitable coaching search, which is coming. Um, it is coming. So um, yeah, it's going to be busy. It's going to be busy here for a little while. Um, and we appreciate everybody sticking with us. Uh, yes, in, after seriously. A disappointing season. Uh, Thank you all least. very much because um, we know this has not been a fun season to keep tabs on and we hope that we have made it as entertaining and enjoyable and interesting and hopefully fun as possible from all this crap uh so all right locked on lakers on youtube make sure you're checking that out subscribe there that is where all the breaking news all the um updates all that stuff that will happen in real time you know it's kind of between podcasts that's where all of that stuff goes so you want to make sure you're subscribed there so you you know you get all the notifications. All right, let's crank up the offseason, Andy. It is officially here, and it starts with exit interviews on Monday, and uh, it's not going to get any less fascinating. might not get more pleasant or comfortable, but it's not going to get less fascinating, and we'll be here for all of it with Locked on Lakers. See everybody Tuesday.